This is Ari Koretsky and welcome to Jews You Should Know, introducing the broader community to interesting and inspiring Jewish men and women making a difference in our world. Some are already famous, some not yet so, but each is a Jew you should know. And we are back with another fabulous episode of Jews You Should Know. And when I say back, I mean back because we have been on quite a hiatus. The Jewish holidays season just concluding last week really threw me for a loop, made it difficult for me to get out episodes, as well as it's coinciding with the beginning of the school year at university where my day job and night job is, so to speak. So it's been a very, very busy time and I've not been able to get things out, but I'm hoping to do so much more regularly moving forward now. To that end, I am seeking dedication sponsorships for the podcast. Would you like to dedicate an episode or more for a loved one in memory or in honor of a special occasion, momentous occasion, a memorialization for somebody? Please reach out to me at jewsyoushouldknow at gmail.com, jewsyoushouldknow at gmail.com to inquire about very reasonable and very meaningful sponsorship opportunities moving forward that will allow the podcast to function more smoothly and allow me to outsource some of the more tedious aspects of its production. Meanwhile, this week we feature a really interesting woman. Of course, we're all familiar with the world of influencers and on Instagram and other social media platforms, but the Jewish world has its own cadre of influencers and Nikki Schreiber is one of them. She's the founder, editor, curator of the Humans of Judaism accounts. And she tries to put out really meaningful, positive, inspirational content to tens of thousands of her followers. Nikki's a really wonderful, vivacious, upbeat, creative person, so passionate about the Jewish people, so invested in making a difference in the world. As I always note, I usually have a couple of interviews in the hopper and I was looking over which one to put out and I realized that it was Nikki's birthday fairly recently. I came across that on Facebook and that kind of jolted me into putting this one out this particular week. So happy belated birthday, Nikki, and it'll only get more belated (laughs) as time goes on for those listening until maybe uh, 11 and a half months from now, it'll actually be uh, on time again or early. In any event, We'll get to Nikki in just a second, but a reminder as always to follow us on social media. Speaking of social media, we are on Instagram and Facebook at Jews You Should Know spelled out fully. Jews You Should Know with the letter U on Twitter. Emails, suggestions, comments, and of course, sponsorship, dedication, inquiries at Jews You Should Know at gmail.com. And now to our conversation with Humans of Judaism founder Nikki Schreiber. We are here with Nikki Schreiber from Humans of Judaism, which is a really cool name. I guess a playoff Humans of New York, but she'll tell us about that when we get to that part of the story. Nikki has a huge Instagram following and puts out inspirational content for tens of thousands of people on a regular basis, among many other cool aspects of her life that we'll get to. How are you, Nikki? Hi, how are you? I'm doing good over here. (laughs) Amazing. Great to have you on here. It's funny. I was planning to, I had come across your account a while ago and I was 
made a sort of a mental note to get in touch with you. And of course, mental notes are worth just about the paper they're written on for me. So if I don't write it down or send myself an email or something, it doesn't happen. And then I was, I got some email about Partners in Torah featuring Jamie Geller, who was one of my first guests on the show three years ago, like episode (laughs) five or seven, something like that. And next to you. And I said, oh my gosh, I needed to get in touch with this Nikki Schreiber. So I reached out and I'm so glad that you responded. Just tell us a little bit about where you're from and just what your, your upbringing was. Sure. So I am, I was born and raised in Highland Park, New Jersey, just to give it a bit of a location pointer. If somebody hasn't heard of it, part of the Edison Highland Park community, close to Rutgers campus. It's just a really wonderful, nice little town. And I'm glad to call it my home. And I now live in New York. Humans of Judaism is something I started. uh, Summertime is actually anniversary time. I started it. uh, I just celebrated my sixth anniversary this uh, June 8th. It was a project that I started uh, during Avelis, during the year of mourning for my father. So I lost my father suddenly in November of 2013. I really wanted to do something in his memory. After a couple of months and uh, sort of trying to figure things out, Somewhere in the midsection of my year, I had the idea to put something, to try to just throw something at the wall and see what sticks kind of thing without any great intentions. So I just sort of started this page. And the only intention I had was, let me put out some positive content to capture some of the great moments within the Jewish community and within, amongst our friends beyond the Jewish community. We have a great deal of friends out there. And I just thought it would be a nice place for sort of chizuk and strength. And I myself was going through a period of grief. So to sort of have to outline uh, consciously an idea of something positive to focus on for the day, it was a great exercise for myself and certainly translated more globally. So as I mentioned, it was in June of uh, 2014, which was right on the onset of the summer uh, that all of us remember when Gilad, Ayal, and Naftali were kidnapped. It was a very emotional summer. It was the beginning of Operation Protective Edge. And the page itself was sort of taking its own shape. And I was just putting out positive sentiments that seemed to be really captivated, captured by the people, the following, the small and modest following I had at the time. But once we rounded out the summer... I had noticed that on Instagram, I had 10,000 followers. And this was, this was in 2014. It was a moment where I was like, I think we've got something here. So once I completed my year of Abelas, I really continued this project, which was a great source of opportunity and success in participating, not just in things I'm putting on the page, but with its partners and collective opportunities to do so many different things by way of chesed stuff and things in my father's memory that were just finding their way to me and presenting really unique opportunity. So fast forward to today. Before we fast forward, I want to rewind a little bit. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just going to say at this, you know, from my 10,000 little followers was just, I actually was just looking uh, yesterday. I was reviewing some of my accounts. I just hit a milestone on Facebook, which I'm so excited about. I reached over 150,000 followers on Facebook. And I noticed that the page actually, it reaches over a million people each month. I mean, just on Facebook alone and Instagram is, is still also growing. And it's just very unexpected and very exciting to see what you can do when you uh, put your mind to something. Amazing. Amazing. All right. So we, I said, I'm going to rewind here. Just 
Rewind. When I say that, when I say that word, it reminds me of the old uh, VHS tapes. Remember those? And you'd have to oh, go I remember to, those. Go to Blockbuster, and if you forgot to rewind, it was like a dollar fee. And before you'd go to the store, you had to like stick it back in the machine and wait like 10 minutes for it to go all the way back. So <laughs> in that spirit, so what were you doing in your life like early on? You grew up in Highland Park. Did you go to Jewish day schools? And kind of what was your early upbringing and, and what were kind of your early aspirations in life? Okay, so the way I grew up, Highland Park, Addison, it's a beautiful community with a lot of diversity in, it, in its schools. And I guess I would describe myself, grew up in a pretty modern Orthodox household, a young Israel, if you will. Although there, I, I call it like it's the 12-step community. They've got A-A-O-A. It's all, it's exactly. all, all the schools or acronyms exactly. of 12-step programs. But. My father happened to be a Baltzvila, a Chazen, and uh, he's a remarkable human being with a really wonderful attitude, which really helped Humans of Judaism take its shape in sort of putting out the positive energy while partnering it with some chinuch and some learning and some growth and just giving it that well-rounded balance where it's an open place that's open to everyone and everyone's welcome. And we just get to celebrate uh, some of the things in common and celebrate our differences. What was your early career plan? Did you, did you go straight to college? So oh, I went to yeshiva and I, did, you know, I went to everything, high school, college. My background is in a variety of spaces. I have a business background. I studied economics and things like that. But I also have a very creative side to me that I really just sort of shelved for a certain period of time because I really was just focused on working, getting things done. And at the time that this began and continuously to now, I mean, I, I have a whole different... I wear so many different hats within Humans of Judaism structure and all the different work that I do, thank God. But just generally, I'm a woman with many hats and I run at the time that this started. And like I said, right now, I ran operations for a national healthcare company, which I've been doing for the last 10 years in a totally different sort of sphere. But this sort of just came in as a passion project and you make the time for things that are meaningful and important to you. At some point just felt like I did create the page, but it's sort of like pushes in its own direction. That's like, I just work here and I really just ride the wave and go with the flow that each day presents. Since the inception of the page to this very day, we see how much changes so rapidly within culture, life, language, and so many things that it's also a matter of keeping up with the times, delivering that same sort of unified message and maintaining that base and culture. You said you were working in healthcare. So I guess, was that your longest standing job? And you always had kind of big corporate jobs? Definitely. I have a very, I have a nice background in portfolio, things I did before humans, but it all sort of summarizes to this. It's more of within the healthcare job, it's the operations end. <laughs> That's more of my skill set. However, it's funny the things and the tools that you take from different areas because within working in a healthcare environment amongst clinicians, you really learn how to communicate effectively with people, especially when I deal with social workers and things like that. It really comes into play when I'm dealing with managing certain situations or communications and messages that might be challenging or tough. I feel comfortable and equipped to approach things on humans, but it's a real known style of mine is that with humans, it's not about me personally. I really step back and allow the page to be about the community and its features. So when you get people who have different opinions, you have to sort of step aside 
put a little bit of that editor and creative side on the side, kind of listen to what the person is coming to you with and do the best you can in addressing whatever comes your way. What's the healthcare system been like and the operations been like during Corona? Has that been a, a major challenge? No, because luckily I get to borrow from each one of my jobs. So <laughs> it happens to be that this operations person in this healthcare company is a pretty savvy online communicator and strategist. So therefore, thank God, it's just all about organization and just knowing how to apply the different changes. And luckily, prior to the pandemic, the business has been structured for these kind of hiccups, different kinds of communication and rolling with the punches. So now prior to getting involved in creating this page and, and this community, what was your social media profile? What was your usage? Were you a power user <laughs> when it comes to social media? Or were you just like your regular run of the mill? It's so funny how much things have changed. I was a regular user in terms of I just shared places I was going, things I was doing, communicating with friends and things like that. As I've taken on more of the editor end, and certainly I never prepared for the success that Humans of Judaism has seen and continues to maintain, thank God, is that shift of responsibility. So now, as much as I'd love to have it as separate compartmentalized places of Humans of Judaism's opinions and then my personal opinions, I have noticed that in, since I've been an editor, maybe I'm a little less of a user on the personal end because it's more of like my job. But it's balanced out and it's sort of given me like a nice, healthy personal barometer of paying attention to the things that come out of my mouth that are so easy to type up on social, but you really consider more than what's in front of you. And you look at the long game and say, all right, is this post valuable? And does it have purpose? And go from there. And then of course, obviously I post my silly antics. Uh, you know, <laughs> I have my moments on my personal page, but for the most part, it, it has actually really given me a good measure into what people want to see and stuff you can just keep in your own head. <laughs> <laughs> so. You said around, it was about six years ago or just over six years ago, mm -hmm. and your father had passed away suddenly. What was your father's name? My father's name is Berish Schreiber, and the page is Lazecher Nishmas Yisachar Berish Ben Yehudi Yishaya Halevi. Beautiful. And Schreiber, for those familiar, is an old famous name, right, from Hungarian Jewry back to the well-known Hassam Sofer, right? Hassam Sofer comes up often as a consideration. I'm not sure if we've drawn a straight line because... My family has actually changed their name over a few generations ago, coming over to the country and this kind of thing. But uh, I do find it interesting. Schreiber, prophetically, here I am as an editor, and it just draws its own. It, it writes, the stories write itself. But uh, my father grew up in Newark, New Jersey. His father actually was a Kazi as well. When the family was struggling during, and I've actually posted the story even on humans when the family was struggling during the Great Depression. My grandfather at 13 helped bring some money into the family as a cousin, a little a wonder kid over there. <laughs> That's where my father's family from. And my, mother, uh, my mother's father was a rabbi on the Lower East Side. Uh, so we're real New York American Jews over here. A little how bit of my story. Going, how long ago did they come over? Before the Holocaust, which I know is our barometer for everything. So uh, they were on the ground. That I, they were those Americans that were helping raise money, try to here on the ground trying to make sense of what was going on across seas. But actually, we have a family member of ours from my mother's side who actually was able to trace back our family history as far back as 1471. Yeah, we have a bit. It took him seven years. He put together some book called, also, this was featured on humans called Links in a Chain. 
we trace back our Israel history to the 1800s, came over from like Belarus, that kind of area somewhere there, we came through the strap. The Jaffa Gate went straight to the old city, set up shop. And then like two years ago or so, we actually, the family all got together, everyone who was in the book to celebrate the yard site of one of the patriarch members, the 100th yard site. So everyone learns Shas in memory. And, uh, but now when we see even distant relatives, we all say, are you in the book? That's our background through here. That's so cool. So was your father a professional chazan or that was like a a side gig? It's so funny. They said that at his funeral, he has a lot of professional accomplishments, but in the community, he's just known as this great voice. And yeah, professional. We would go out, uh, we we spent a good chunk of time, I'd say 20 years. My father used to go Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur in Scarsdale. But yeah, he was professional. And, uh, but he also was a pretty accomplished, well-respected accountant. He was a partner at Deloitte. It was just noted when his funeral was just so much more about who he was within his Jewish identity. As you said, he passed away fairly suddenly and Mm -hmm. you wanted to do something in his memory. Why this? What came to your mind that like, hey, let me start a Facebook page and start featuring different kinds of people? Got it right in the beginning. I did. It was definitely after seeing the Humans of New York page and model. Humans of New York, however, is run by a street photographer who has a different ability. He's not a photographer. Therefore, I wasn't so sure what to do. The general idea was when I saw things in Humans of New York, I was thinking this could be broader based to sort of really unify our community. However, let me try a different level of content that I can realistically connect with, deliver. So when I first started off, it was a little bit rough like anyone else because I wasn't setting out to start a page that was maintained, was considered to be where it is. It was just sort of something to really just in a personal project. So when I started, I was just trying to interview anyone I knew personally, trying to get some interesting motivational graphics. If it's just just something good to keep everyone inspired. But as things moved on, it, it really just evolved organically in its style sharing beautiful images of Israel and different communities around the world. And people were just sending things naturally. I I just never asked. It was fascinating to see just how people would want to be featured. Also, some time ago, I started something called a Telfi. It's a hashtag. It's a Tefillin Selfie. It sort of just evolved because people were sending them and in all these different wonderful, cool places. Things like that just sort of take its own organic shape and then become a thing. And even just this morning, I posted, it's been a while, it goes in waves, things come in. And I got a beautiful uh, tefillin shot this morning from Red Rock Country in Sedona, Arizona, which is a beautiful view. I like to feel like also, it's not just me here at Humans. It really is with the community support and participation. And it's so much fun because it's real people. I feature Holocaust survivors that's someone's bubby or that's someone's mother or feature someone this morning, someone's still and that's someone's husband, you know, that's some, so these are real people with the consideration also of real people comes that responsibility of also making sure that comment section is, is family friendly and appropriate and an environment where I would feel comfortable having my own story or family member stories shared. And uh, luckily it worked. I imagine your initial concept was based on the humans of New York model. Is that correct? Briefly, in its name and in its principle of outlining a singular story. Ultimately, what's taken shape is really covering some important notes that over the last six plus years, 
I've realized have become essential. Holocaust education and history. Unfortunately, people are, we're in a time where people really are denying and trying to rewrite or erase history. And it's, it's just our responsibility to educate and share facts. And also my unapologetic love and devotion to Israel and uh, sharing its history, its milestones. And with that comes great partnerships because I'm still this excited person who loves to be able to connect with the likes of the government press office. When I see these real authentic historic pictures, you can actually like reach out and there's someone home to qualify its accuracy. So it becomes sort of also a beacon of not just storytelling, but an information source. Just a safe place for sharing that kind of information. Were you an avid follower of Humans of New York? I know many people love it and you know, we have their book, My House, and the printed version and all that kind of stuff. Were you an earlier follower of that? And did you kind of have that in mind or just the name was, was as far as it went? Honestly, I think it was more of the name is as far as it went. I'm not as strong of a follower. I'd say it was sort of blended in with the fact that I follow. Social media has become a great beacon of news and information, especially for Jews that live outside of Israel, wanting to really get accurate countings of what's going on over there without any opinion. Just give me the fact. Follow a lot of wonderful pages and organizations that I share values and beliefs with to help give me the information that I needed (laughs) to really see what was going on on the other side of the pond. Did anyone ever get upset with you for using that name that was so similar? No, I think it's been a very widely distributed name. There are so many. There's a whole humans of community. One of the things also, it's an interesting thing running a page that has the word Judaism in it. There's an assumption of real responsibility. I, I Luckily, I walk outside. It's very different when you walk outside. You have a responsibility when you're wearing a yamka. You've got to make sure that you're not making chil Hashem. You know, you work hard to make your kiddush Hashem. Here is like the first time, you know, it's like, hmm, this is like my proverbial yarmulke here. It's like, I generally am a a straight shooter in my personality and just how I've been raised. The website, it's even more so when you're representing the community, you really have to make sure that you're diligent on everything. So just even when you're sharing publication, crediting, I try to make sure as best that I can as one person to do everything the right way. Credit people, tag people. It's important. And looking into the humans of that whole franchising, it was an allowance to do that. So uh, luckily, here we are. Do you remember your first post? What was the first thing that you put up there? I do. I had one or two posts. I'm trying to remember which one was the actual first. I'm trying to think. So I'm not sure if you're familiar in the New York City area. There was somebody named the Facebooker Rebbe, uh, Rebbe David Winiars. I'm not Winiars, sure how to pronounce it. Away. From, correct. Um, I remember from, very well because he passed away on his way to a conference in Baltimore, Utah, which I attended as part of my other job. We connected on Facebook. I did some earlier work, a whole other story. So he and I had connected and I followed his stuff also because he just, all he wanted to do was just put out happiness in the universe. His legacy should forever be that understanding that all he wanted to do is just make people happy. So he was an easy person to consider to interview. I was like, hey, he was a comfortable uh, to be featured person and his messaging was very clear. So that was one of the first of memory. But ultimately that summer ended up becoming pretty devoted to the things that were going on in Israel, whether I was sharing something sort of upbeat or just updates. As we all remember, Gilada Yalin Tali's mothers, they were the community's mothers that summer. These were women of strength that we should never understand. And there was a lot of opportunity to present the things that they were saying and really 
come together. And we were all really just in a tough space that summer. I had the great merit to interview Racheli Frankel for the podcast. Incredible. And I actually, she is a Jew you should know. She's a Jew you should know for sure. And I was, <laughs> you know, I, most of mine have done remote as, as we're speaking here. But yeah. two, year, two years ago, I went to Israel for the summer, well, for a few weeks of the summer. And I did 25 live interviews. And hers was one. I went to her house. I won't say where. <laughs> She's a very <laughs> private person. But I went to her house and sat with her in person. And it was a, really an amazing honor. That was a cool incredible. Yeah. I see your Moor logo back there. And that reminds me, I had to get back to you. So oh, yes. somewhere Please. in the beginning, I connected with, I believe it was so long ago. Wow. I, I can't even believe, but I believe it was Rifka Steinberg Fox. Rifka sure. Star, uh, Rifka, sure. Right. So we connected early on and I got the great pleasure to speak with her father as well. And yeah. um, he's been on the podcast too. <laughs> yeah, I would think so. I was really tuned in to learn more about Moor follow the work that's being done, uh, participate in ways that I can. It's funny because everyone's doing their own things and their different jobs within the Jewish community and the community at large. But fundamentally, the value and principle that I think we all share is just the, oh, I'd be sorry, just, we all just want to do for the community. And that was very evident when I did a lot more with Ma'or. And every time I see it, it reminds me of the early days. <laughs> that, and the, that and the Shabbos project. The Shabbos project found me after that first summer. And they were one of my first uh, big partners, which was, they do incredible work. Don't worry, so. Rabbi Warren Goldstein's been on here too. So <laughs> we covered them all. You've got everyone. I don't think I'm going to find anyone that you didn't know. It's just really <laughs> miraculous that we haven't come together soon. I know, right? Nikki, don't worry. If you keep trying, you'll get there. Trust me. All in its uh, right time. I'll find de- someone. Don't worry. definitely find someone. If I have to make someone up, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tell me a little bit about structure. Like, how does the page actually function? You have a certain number of posts per day, per week. Is it always one template? Are you always doing kind of a a still feature with a picture and a description, a quote? Like, what's kind of the actual nuts and bolts delivery of what you're doing? The recipe. Yeah. We'll give out the recipe today. The good news is that I give out all my ingredients but as we know, it's, it's like telling someone, how did you paint something? And I'll be, I can give them a canvas. I can give you the brushes. I can give you the paint numbers. It comes together differently. But I always tell everyone that the basic ingredients to a successful online post is three simple ingredients. You need to have good content. It has to be something that speaks to people's interests. It has to be good timing. And I always use this exact example. I can post a wonderful Holocaust uh, story, let's say, but I can post that very same story on Yom HaShoah. It'll obviously have a very different impact. So that's common sense. And the third part is the main ingredient. It's simple. It's mazel. We can post the same content, the same exact day, the same exact time, the same exact everything with all of the same variables, and it'll deliver potentially differently. With the page, like I told you, it initially started off trying to find its shape because one of the things I've learned over the couple of years as a creative person also is sort of being unafraid to try things. It can fail. I already have my PR line ready. I'm just human. I, I, you know, what can I do here? So I'm happy to try things out and I'm very comfortable if it doesn't succeed because I'm just trying my best. I try a lot of different formats. Often I'll have profile stories. I have a lot of great partnerships and relationships now at this stage with photographers and organizations that it makes it so easy often at times in sharing when I have an actual structure. It's about sharing profiles, photography, history, real content that comes in from real people. Example, again, was this morning's Telfie, those kind of things. Actually, I have something coming up. A 100-year-old Holocaust survivor 
birthday celebration that is currently being written up and the birthday is tomorrow. So that's very exciting. So that comes in and that somebody was sent there by the grandson. So it's some things come in, just a matter of also keeping an eye on the calendar. On my day-to-day, it's something I would never recommend to anyone. My day-to-day, I have an element of some things that you can anticipate, like certain calendar items. If it's a holiday or things like that, of course, that's obvious. Even if it's some of these mundane days when it's like chocolate chip cookie day, I think is today. I mean, we have to all know chocolate chip cookie day. Obviously. But you'd be surprised <laughs> because let's say the other day was uh, National Ice Cream Day and founders of haagen the founders of... Baskin-Robbins just did profiles on each of them. So it's sort of finding that timing space. Do you know that the founder of Baskin-Robbins started Baskin-Robbins with the money he saved up from his bar mitzvah? Aren't no, you but I need to eat that that's, ice cream that's differently what now? You. Come on. There you go. You found someone. <laughs> <laughs> so it, finding those moments and having them where it's relevant. Uh, obviously, I'm going to do the ice cream story in the summertime. Things like that. But I really don't hold by any models. Uh, sometimes a lot of people will hear me speak and I'll often say, my rules are there are no rules. Um, I always draw to my number one highest viral post that broke every rule that I could ever think of. I have my highest video is viewed 20, 30 million times on Facebook. It is a four minute video with an older woman speaking for four minutes in French. So it's even subtitled. I mean, would you think that that would be... But it was this woman speaking about her accounting when she was in the concentration camps and she had a piece of chocolate. It was a whole story and it was coming, you know. But that's where I always say there are no rules. If I find that there's a graphic that I want to do, if there's something out there to be said or whatever, I'll post whatever people are talking about that day or whatever's going on or whatever's just on the calendar if I have just things marked. So do people constantly just send you ideas and and recommendations and is that how you Thank kind of God. at this point get your stuff? It's really the smallest percentage of the content that I'm sharing. I love and welcome people who share stuff. I'd say the majority of what comes in does for the most part get shared. However, I don't solicit it. It's really just people who organically find it in that way. But it's important to also have just my own content and style and things also that just mixes it in and balances it out. So it's not just one single item. There's a balance of, like I told you, with the photography and other profiles and different features and stories that sort of build a total picture. So what are the other sources? You just figure it out yourself or do you have, you plan this stuff out well in advance? How do you so much, seems like a lot of pressure to constantly be coming up with stuff like basically every day, right? Pretty much. That's why this gal loves herself a three-day antic. (laughs) I mean, oh yeah. It's a lot of things. There is no secret formula. It's hard work. It's staying on top of things. It's preparing, but knowing that I haven't prepared any content over the last couple of months specifically. You can't prepare every single day, every single week has been ever-changing and evolving. And you really have to speak to the tone of that day and what's important for that day. It's funny because one of the things also by design that I keep off of the page to keep it a space where it's a healthier, friendlier space on social media is I keep it apolitical. And that has evolved into itself. With that, it's sort of a conscious effort to make sure that the content that I'm putting out fits that day, fits the environment, and also is the content that people can anticipate coming to the page. Because you have to have consistency. Otherwise, it reflects an element of people don't know what to expect. 
So in the event that someone notices they haven't seen a post from humans in a while, they'd be inclined to actually go to the page and check it out because they know essentially the energy of what to expect and not necessarily the direct content. Have you at any point brought in people to help you? I have great partners and relationships. I have a lot of contributors. I work directly with very talented individuals. Still, it comes back to the initial tie-in. Like we said, I run operations in healthcare. My skill set is time management, task management, organization, getting things implemented efficiently and effectively. So while I may be in the driver's seat, there are a lot of passengers in this vehicle that I couldn't be successful without. Just even some of the relationships are hard to even put into words the gratitude because, example, I do a lot of work with Yad Vashem, Yad Vashem USA, and their young leadership. I'm also on their young leadership board. I'm very involved. I find Holocaust history and education, like I told you, very, very fundamental and important, especially in these times. So I have direct partnerships with them and they'll send in, uh, write up our backgrounds and stories. I mean, how much better can you get for that with accuracy and making sure that you're getting this stuff done correctly? These are my team members, but it's up to me in the driver's seat to actually find the right content, see what works and get it published. Have there been opportunities to monetize this in some way? And how does that work? So I always remind everyone that my father was an accountant. He would want me to monetize. <laughs> so yes, uh, Humans of Judaism is absolutely a growing business. I do a lot of tasks. So Humans of Judaism has afforded me the environment to really perfect my craft, become successful at it, and not just in one environment. Instagram, Facebook, I have a few different models. And that has allowed me also to take some of those skills and strategies to help within the Jewish community on the back end. I work with different organizations, clients, and partners that lend itself to spreading the wealth. Very often also, I help with organizations setting up their Instagram, social media, getting things in an optimal place to be successful, to get things done correctly, to effectively communicate, whether it's on the same end or more regional, local end, conveying a universal message to the Jewish community in a successful way. We even discussed for the call that I do work with an organization for many years. I'm running social and media over at Amudim is a great organization. And speak about an organization where you have to be really considerate and sensitive in communication and doing it a large, loud microphone to the global public. It's the job. That's been a great area where the Humans of Judaism legacy is it's the work most people don't know about that is some of the work that I'm most proud of and gives me, like I said, unique opportunity to do things in my father's memory and just growth of my vision and message here. So it's, you know? more, it's more utilizing the skills you've developed to consult for other organizations rather than the page itself being monetized, like selling advertising or things like that. So with the page itself, I absolutely have partners and work on campaigns and promotions, but in a very limited sense. It's a global page. It's a global market. I get asked very often for more regional, localized stuff. I take the responsibility seriously. I'm not just going to say yes. And I often lead with the fact that I am a user before I am an editor. I want to say to myself, what makes me feel comfortable as a follower of the page? 
So I really limit my partnerships and I keep them very organic in a very sort of small pool. Uh, this summer right now, I probably would be in Israel with Nefesh Benefesh on their charter. They've been gracious enough to have me a couple of years covering that. That's one of my high points of the summer. I was supposed to go on a Yad Vashem mission. I was supposed to be in Berlin this summer on a mission to hear testimony from survivors on the ground and then also in delegation uh, in Israel. So with those partnerships and relationships and sharing sort of the messaging and, and shared stories, those are the type of things you'll see more directly on humans. But my passion is teaching people how to fish bringing some of that success specifically with the different resources and things we have going on in the community to help best effectively serve the community and get out there. What would you say are kind of the most inspiring posts that you, uh, that really stick out for you? If you think back, I mean, six years of stories and posts. So we, I might, so, I might bait, bait you into recency bias here, but... Um, no, you know what? It about. changes all the time and I love that. I actually just was looking at some of my older posts and I remembered I had this really unique experience. It was an earlier post when I wasn't as successful in finding some of my sources on these pictures. You know, there are these talented people and photographers and regular Joes who just take a great photo that should be recognized. So it was this image that I think was just on the internet of this older grandmother with her tattooed numbers on her arm holding her grandchild. I saw that. It was just a great picture. I mean, there's so many different versions of that that have been out, but this specific picture, I, I see it in front of me. So I posted it, and this was a couple of years ago. I posted it on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. I get a comment on it. I'm like, oh my goodness, like, that's me. I'm the baby. Someone just sent me this picture on this page and she sent me a picture and I asked for her permissions. I said, could you please, dear permissions, is it okay for me to share this? I can even block out your name. I can share your name. She said, no, no, no. She gave me permission to share it. That was incredible. It's the connections of the real things. I also, when I go to Israel, um, I try to go lately, if I go in the summertime, charter and things like that. I try to go around yard site. My father's yard site is Yud Tes Kislev. It's a few days before Hanukkah, which is such a nice time to be out in Israel, of course. Is he buried in Israel? He's buried in Israel. My parents had plot in New York and in Israel. My father was anybody from West Orange. My father got it from uh, West Orange, I think, in Israel over there a hundred years ago. In any case, when they were writing their estate and their will and things like that. My father, my mother said, we do it's much easier over here in New York. Let's let the kids. My father said, no, we're going to do Israel. It'll give them a reason to go. When I go out, I go often, like I said, in yard side time or I go in the summertime. I one time started this thing, which I now try to commit to each time, is when I go to the hotel, I am happy to be a shaliach. I'm happy to be a messenger. So within the fun ways through social media, First time I asked people just to comment and send me names if they want me to daven for them. And the next time I actually got smarter, I'm like, please send me messages. And then I just put it onto a spreadsheet, printed it out and just also uh, did that. But so the first time I went there, I, I got a whole list of names and tefillos. And it's very humbling to be given with permission tefillos from people. And they indicate sort of also what they're davening for and things like that. So it's a, quite a humbling exercise, I would tell you. Well, a little bit after that, I got a message from somebody who thanked me. They said they were struggling having children and they were going for specific things at the time. They gave me the name to say, and she was happy to tell me that she has a baby, whatever. And so there are these moments beyond the post. It's the story behind the story (laughs) that really capture me. But it just really shows that 
a post on the internet, sharing things that we love, sharing positive messaging does really have its own ripple effect to yield more of that, more of the same. How do you deal with moderating the community? There's all these comments and everything and you want to maintain a certain standard, certain apolitical posture and so forth. Keep it positive. Do you have to, I mean, you have to read every single comment. Do you have people that help you with that? That's a lot of work. No, it's all, that's all me. It is a lot of work, but it's easier than you think. So number one, it really, it's not by accident. It's also about putting out the right content and whether in being in a certain level of predictability and reliability, I'd say there's sort of that Donald Cuff's list. There's that benefit of the doubt that people can apply. So I'm not putting out salacious content that's divisive, that's uh, baiting anyone into conversation in one way or another. It's about keeping it a unified, open, welcome space that is not meant to be. So therefore, by not actually engaging in it directly, what that does is it immediately reduces some of the level of comments tell you my comments section always lights up whenever I have anyone in IDF uniform a little bit. (laughs) I'm happy to uh, shoulder that responsibility because I take it as a serious duty. Difference of opinion is always welcome on the page. However, anything that is hate speech or profanity, any shade that has to be scrubbed. I need to keep this a family-friendly environment, but I deal with it less than people would think. That's the truth. There is a percentage. There are those moments and every editor is probably nodding their head. There are those days where something will happen in Israel if something if something's in the news and they come after all the Jewish and Israel accounts and you have to you know, be on extra alert. But that's what makes it a job. And luckily, uh, I so far I'm able to do it on my own <laughs> so far. And last last question, Nikki, is what do you think your father would be proudest of and what you've done over the last six years? That is a tough call. There are so many things. I'm the oldest daughter. I do have a younger sister. I have two older brothers, one younger sister. So I fall in line as the first daughter. Everything I did was amazing. So trying to equate, I very often, of course, think of my father. Anytime certain accomplishments happen and milestones, I just, I just think to myself, like, wow. Like if there's credits on like, especially when it comes to yard site days or when I have the milestone, I say to everyone now, I have two days on the calendar that are my father's like days. It's yard site and it's the day that I created humans. And then when you get those brachos and opportunities in, in large quantities of the Shama Shadav and Ali, and you're thinking, how do these, how do these credits work? Because uh, this is pretty cool, you know? It's all these different brachos to my father's and Shama having an Aliyah. Thing you'd be most proud of is I have a mother, Neva Esterman, good health, who's here by my side every day, who really emulates what I know I would also be getting from my father, which is just nachas, support, cheering me on, like keep going kind of thing. But some of the crazy milestones in the couple of years, I have been, I felt my dad. Jerry Seinfeld retweeted one of my posts I did about him. Um, wow. I posted also one of the missions that I went to Israel. I posted a picture from the residence of the president, who's also featured in that family book, I must say. He retweeted my post. You know, things like that where the president of Israel and Seinfeld, which is president of our you know, <laughs> comedy lives and getting all my Jewish marks here. It's not about anything other than just my dad, knowing that that happened, it's like, that's all I need. It's like, that's my happiness. So he'd be proud of all of it. 
You'd be proud of all of it. Thank you. I'm sure he is. You know, the social media world can be such a disorienting and depressing and even toxic place when you have places on the internet or in social media specifically that are encouraging goodness and are building people up and are spreading beauty and inspiration. It's such a powerful countermeasure and antidote, all the ugliness that's out there. And that alone, I think, is, is a tremendous merit for your father. Thank you for that. I think I want to just make sure to leave off for your listeners to remind them that just a regular Joe, like everybody who's listening, if you want to do something, do it. It's as simple as that. And if you see that there's a gap out there, something's missing, fill it in. Put out there. We can all contribute within our community and within the global community in ways we'd never think possible. It's just a matter of rolling up your sleeves, putting in the work, whether or not it's passion-driven as mine was with my father's memory, or whether it's just your singular interest in doing something for the community. There is that capacity because you don't need to have a salacious headline to get clicks. Believe it or not, I go in every day bravely, <laughs> you know, <laughs> posting some, what, what people might consider the most political. I just said I, I am an apolitical page. The most political is my unapologetic love for the traditions in our community, my love for Israel, and my love for the IDF, and, and, and my no apologies about it, and my love for Tefillin, and my love for Torah. But it's just, my point is just go out there and just do it, because we need more people coming in with community love and positivity to make the world go round. Amen to that. Nikki Schreiber, Humans of Judaism. Thank you so, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. This has been Ari Koretsky on Jews You Should Know. Please visit us at JewsYouShouldKnow.com and subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume podcasts. Find us on social media at Jews You Should Know. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast, we would greatly appreciate that. And you can do so by visiting Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Jews You Should Know. Finally, if you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review so that we can continue to grow and introduce many more people to Jews You Should Know.